All right, and here we are. Welcome to Staking Mondays, guys. My name is Mirko, CEO and co-founder of Staking Wards, and today we are honored to host the famous Julian Boutelup on the show. Um, Julian has been a, a blockchain and crypto investor, serial entrepreneur, DeFi builder since 2011. Um, he's founder of Stake Capital, Stake Dow. He's uh, in the core team at Curve, um, the, the top stablecoin AM, founder of Blackpool, a DAO focused on NFTs. He's the creator of the first ever Flash loan. Um, and finally, also the, the founder of Rec.News. Um, Julian supports the constant innovation of the crypto sector and is uh, passionately supporting like a lot of um, DeFi builders in the industry. Um, so it's an honor to have you on the show. Welcome to Stake Mondays. Yeah, thank you, uh, thank you, Mirko. Thank you for uh, for the nice uh, nice introduction and uh, thank you for the for the show. Yeah, awesome. thank you for having so, me. Yeah, uh, it's it's a pleasure to have you on. Um, we can jump uh, into some short form questions here. Um, just just answer very briefly from your side. Um, what gave you the crypto bug and convinced you to make it your life's work? Um, you started in twenty eleven, which is obviously a, a long time ago. Yeah. Yeah, I think um, my my introduction or my involvement in the in the crypto space or uh, more broadly in a blockchain space was uh, was more like a, um, a mistake or more like um, I mean you can call it a chance um, uh, than than something that I um, investigated uh, really deeply back then the industry was not. Uh, uh, talking about blockchain and being in blockchain in the early days in 2011, 12 or, or 13, even uh, before 15 uh, was uh, mostly considered as uh, uh, a bad virus than, than a, a good virus. Uh, so I got myself in a, uh, into the blockchain industry because of uh, my um, experience and my background in, in decentralized uh, systems. But even decentralized system back then was not anything related to blockchain. It was more like a, a streaming, a torrent, uh, the capacity to 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 do like uh, stuff on the cloud, uh, and and being able to stream uh, content. So it was really something associated to bad uh, bad activity on the on the on the internet, and with the increasing movement of uh, the music industry and the, and the movie industry. Uh, that was really something that people try to uh, or tend to not talk about, and this is that direction that brought me into the blockchain industry, and particularly in a Bitcoin, uh, in a Bitcoin thing where I became a Bitcoin BTC maximalist because there was only this before Ethereum, and then uh, an event, a meetup in the uh, in London, uh, people from the Bitcoin industry was they were making fun of of uh, experimentation like Ethereum. Uh, in the early uh, 2015, and there was a meetup there, so I went there and, and I listened. Uh, the the intention for me was just to just have fun because we didn't really believe in, in alternative than than Bitcoin. And then I realized that actually the initiative was pretty pretty powerful, and the people there they were really legit. Awesome, yeah, that, that's super exciting. A lot of the super early adopters really come from the technical perspective, and um, yeah, I mean we we've come a long way since then, obviously. Um, like looking at the industry today, like what uh, is an uh, under the radar crypto project um, that you are very excited about right now? Um, yeah, I mean, my background is really uh, mathematics. Uh, I've got a background in mathematics and physics. And um, obviously, as a French uh, person involved in mathematics, you usually end up in uh, quantitative 
uh, algorithmic trading uh, world. Uh, so start working in the in this area and and and, um, and then uh, so the uh, the project uh, that I'm mostly uh, uh, looking at the moment uh, is really about um, uh, derivatives uh, products that are um, sufficiently uh, uh, um, complex in the traditional uh, market that are coming into uh, the decentralized the DeFi space because uh, most of the products that we currently uh, have access to or using in the DeFi space are products that are uh, copied uh, and brought into the DeFi environment. The only difference is the protocol or the technology, the underlying technology that is different. In the traditional finance, you will have uh, market making, but not automated market making, but you will still have lending market that are using a different stack of technology, uh, but it's exactly the same in a decentralized finance. So I truly believe that because the space is getting more mature and more traditional players are getting are jumping into the space that now we are ready and and uh, and, and the space is ready to welcome um, a complex uh, product such as swaps debts bonds and all these different different things this will drive the next wave of adoptions not necessarily from the retail space but more from the traditional world so like when you look at the industry today like what is one subsector like um it's it's probably like you, you mentioned a lot about defi right like bonds derivatives and so on um like what is one subsector where you think like we, we've made a massive progress uh within crypto um but it hasn't really gained any traction on the um on the real world yet uh in the mass market like which subsector would that be i think the uh, uh the thing that we've seen um over the past few i mean th this past year the nft uh, nft craziness uh the, the it was the same uh, what happened uh, with the ico space building landing page and and creating crazy projects uh, raising a lot of money but having no substantial uh, value uh, to the ecosystem only one percent then created value but 99 percent disappeared or they all left the money well, we saw the same in the NFT market. The NFT market was driven by people trying to flip and, and uh, uh, to flip uh, assets and, and make a lot of money very quickly using JPEG uh, projects, but without any value. Well, now the space has changed. So people as 2017 in the ICO craziness, they cannot create just a landing page and raise a crazy amount of money. Uh, well, it's the same with the NFT market. The NFT market is really, uh, huge now and people are creating product every single day so to differentiate yourself is really complicated so what you have to do you have to create uh, true utility and this is exactly what we're moving into and by creating true utility you have projects from the traditional finance that are finally seeing the opportunity and seeing the potential of such technology for them to leverage their existing uh, existing uh, business model so for example like TikTok, twitter um, projects uh, that have uh, an utility business that are providing value to people but now if they use nft uh, for example like uh, trying to uh, avoid bots spamming uh, or giving access to people to, to a specific tool and products uh, for example through the metaverse not in the metaverse as the meta facebook uh, kind of uh, uh, worldish uh, kind of thing that they brought to the market but more like something that has um, pragmatic value and correct 
incentives in such a way that they can leverage the blockchain technology for them to uh, increase their uh, market share of the of the the, the, the society. Awesome. So I believe, yeah. yeah. So I believe like those projects, TikTok, uh, Messenger, uh, Telegram, uh, all those applications that are more like uh, retail industry. Yeah, hundred percent agreed, um, uh, and I, I can't wait for that. Um, hopefully, it will be uh, decentralized and not just like the uh, naming meta and so on. Um, but yeah, so um, like, what, what would be one simple advice for you uh, for someone who got into crypto like just recently in the last twelve months and he's still here? Like, because now the market changed a lot. Like, just very briefly, what, what would you tell them as like an advice? Yeah, I think. Um... I would say that to anyone that uh, just come um, join the market uh, or is in the current market, but experiencing the first uh, bear market or the first crash. Um, if you stick uh, to the value proposition or what blockchain can bring to you or to society, I think it's a reasonable um, uh, assumption that long or Staying for the long term is it, it, it will bring you more value than trying to trade the uh, volatility of the uncertainty of uh, what's happening. Because in, in any market, you always have players and you have people that are known to play the rules really nice and very really, uh, strongly, but also manipulate uh, the market. So if you are in a side that don't understand that you have people that are manipulating the market and are trying to use your weakness of either not understanding uh, how things work or the uh, weakness of you trying to make money, most money in short term, then you will get wrecked. So I would say that you stick to the value proposition, you stick to the, uh, what this industry is trying to bring, which is transparency, decentralization, and more importantly, the ability for anyone to build anything without asking um, uh, asking requests, um, asking permissions to anyone, and whatever you are in the world without borders. And this assumption that this space is built on mathematics, going against the principle of how society is built, which is axiom one plus one equal two, and at the end, going against it is very bad and will mean that you will go, you get wrecked. So that's why like, I would suggest that you build, ship, and if you can, economically speaking, stay long because sometimes you have uh, some uncertainty and you need money, then you can exit your position, uh, then it's fine. But in this space, what I would do is like get a work in a space, generate money, and then long the industry. Thanks. Very well, Sadrian. Um, and like in, in that context, like why do you think staking is important for the industry? Um, like you, you are involved a lot with staking. We are as well. So um, why, why yeah, is that that's, important? That's actually how we met first uh, in the industry. Remember the time of uh, Cosmos and uh, and uh, staking, and uh, we were involved again. That was very funny because when we. When we first met and you were jumping into this industry, you also uh, um, understood uh, the space, I mean, the early days of the space and most of the people outside they were criticizing and they were saying Cosmos or uh, LifePeer or uh, Ethereum staking or whatever will never make sense. Um, like Avalanche and 
But all those different protocols, we have to remember that in the early days, 99% of the industry or the ecosystem didn't believe in it. And we were criticized uh, uh, to, to operate uh, such a business. I remember a lot of people left because of the bear market and they were doing and they were providing uh, staking as a service. The early days, how we made it because you guys were providing a service for, for Tezos. Uh, also, we were involved. Um, so I would say that now it's very really clear that staking, if it's correctly and and um, with the, the 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 value of the, the sharing the same core values of this ecosystem, then it has to be decentralized. And in the staking industry, um, the way that you can decentralize blockchain is by staking. Uh, or uh, the early days of blockchain is by mining. If you have sufficient, if you have um, uh, people in the world that can have access to either unlimited capital or free energy, which is very unlikely. So then you have a centralization of power in the mining industry. In the proof of stake, uh, in the staking industry, the idea is to allow anyone in the world to be able to participate in the validation of a protocol without having the necessity, without uh, being forced to either have access to free energy or unlimited amount of capital. The amount of the capital, people would say, yeah, but in order to have a huge power or to have reasonable amount of power in uh, the staking industry, you need to have capital. Well, the thing is like you can actually capture capital because you can build platform and project that will aggregate um, uh, uh, tokens that you can use to provide validation for providing validation on the blockchain. So the, the staking as a service uh, or the staking industry uh, either on the protocol level or on the project level, like we're saying with curve walls, if it's correctly built and correctly operated, meaning that you have a lot of different actors that are not sharing mutual incentives or mutual interest, then you can call a protocol or a project decentralized because each of those parties will try to satisfy their own uh, market share but each of those market share are competitors with each other. So it's really unlikely that people will either bribe themselves to either fork on the protocol level of blockchain or on the project level, redirect the inflation for their own benefits. That's why staking in the industry of blockchain is the biggest pillar of maintaining uh, uh, the, the, the vision of Satoshi Nakamoto because the, this is the only way by staking that you're providing validations and you can actually operate different projects. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's amazing how like just everyone can contribute to the security of their investment by just running a note and uh, contributing to it. Um, it's, a, it's a fascinating concept. Um, cool. So um, just a uh, last short form question here, like what, what do you do to get away from the chaos in the crypto markets? Like obviously the last uh, months and years have been pretty wild. Um, what do you do for fun? I think if you if you um, build projects, uh, maintain a huge team of people, uh, and and yeah, trying to build project and ship them, you don't really have time to see uh, the chaos uh, in the industry. But if your main goal is to make quick and short money as a quick grab in the industry, then it might be per, uh, painful. Uh, that's the reason why it depends on your values. Uh, but if your value is to provide it, uh, to capture 
um, value from the industry and also provide value from the industry. You better um, work in the industry, either create a project or join an existing project that is um, sharing the echo of this industry. So then you will make uh, 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 revenue, uh, income that can sustain yourself during those uh, period of time where uh, it's not necessarily really clear uh, that we are uh, aiming for uh, a bull run <laughs> for the moon. All right. Yeah. Cool. And what do you do? Like usually, to like if you want to get away from it, uh, do you have some uh, some some hobbies? Or... No, I'm a, I'm a walk. I like. Uh, I'm not saying this because it's uh, usually people they say that because it sounds good. But uh, I um, I uh, I walk a lot, and uh, I I try to uh, I, I I code. Uh, I do coding a lot, so uh, I either uh, just I get myself in a room and and um, and uh, try to find. Uh, a new a new idea and, and trying to ship awesome. it all uh, yeah. trying to meet people uh, but I also like trying to uh, get outside uh, play sport for example uh, uh, go running or uh, uh, stuff like that awesome yeah re really cool and um, I think we, we all see that from uh, the dedication you, you put into it and all the projects and everything um, so uh, stay with us, guys. Today we'll talk about the, the impact of the Terra crash. We talk about algorithmic stable coins. We talk about the future of DeFi governance. Um, we talk about the, the alternative layer one space with Ethereum. We talk about staking beyond proof of stake, um, how to not get wrecked, and uh, obviously about stake now and the, the big vision there. Um, so let, let's start uh, with, a, with a big hot topic recently, uh, which is Terra. Like Terra's implosion had like clearly set back the industry uh, quite a bit um, in terms of like trust and so on. Um, and we now have like the, uh, the old Terra and the Terra 2.0, which launched um, over the, the last weekend here actually. Um, what's your take on that? And do you think either um, like the, the old Terra or the new Terra um, network, um, they they have a future or why or, or why not you think um, i mean without entering into the details of uh, either terra 1 or terra 2 uh, uh, the difference between them and, and and if there is a difference my my only concern is um, in the early days of terra and also the the design mechanism of terra um, if you check my, my tweets, if you check some uh, people in the industry, uh, we were really concerned about having a stablecoin that um, the existence of this stablecoin, the only uh, way to maintain it was by having the exact same mechanism as the uh, SEC or the Fed, basically printing money uh, out of nowhere in order to sustain the craziness of an, such an API. Um, the, the the fact that people were jumping into it because of the API was really high without understanding the technical aspect of such a project was really concerning to me in the early days. For example, I operate a quant and a, and a, and a, and a fund, and the, the goal was not to touch it. Because the, the problem if if a project is based on a non-existence, um, uh, uh, there's no mathematical background behind it except printing um, uh, money out of the hair. Uh, um, so that was the, the principle of Anchor. You could uh, then provide your liquidity and then receive money that was freshly printed 
uh, out of nowhere, not even collateralized. So you have different types of uh, stable coins. And obviously myself as being part of uh, the, the early, uh, um, uh, the, the, the team of Curve in the early days uh, uh, with Michael that created the, the project, the vision, we understand really, um, uh, we understand the, 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 the stablecoin market because we are the, the first one to build a neutral market maker for the stablecoin market. And, and we have a risk assessment and we have all the different things. The only issue with such a, a stablecoin is it's not directed by maths, it's directed by believing that people will constantly buy because if you are, uh, buying and as long as you can sell the buy that you have you will always make money and that's the danger of it my only concern now today is how can some people originally in such a project project have a huge amount of liquidity and investment in the early days of terra and can today say like two weeks ago that yes it was a pounzi and it was not well architectured because the way it was built cannot go forward, but at the same time, are financing the reborn of such a project that current early days, they were making a lot of money. They were not criticizing it. They were incentivizing people to buy. They were basically selling the drug to people for them to buy. And now that they got wrecked, they basically, and two weeks ago, a week ago, they were complaining about this product and they, they now technically speaking on the space saying, yeah, this is, this is true. This, this was the best product. But now, last weekend, they were making a reborn of the project with the same design, meaning that if they agreed that the project was bad, why rebuilding it with the same base pillars and still selling it to the retail? I mean, that's only my concern. And I think in this space, and now you can see that all these people, influencers, they were first selling the project, then they said this was bad design, and today they are supporting the project in the same same way it was currently it was operating before why because some people they need to uh, remake the money they lost that's it yeah no that, that's a good point it probably goes back to the what you mentioned earlier like there are two types of people in the industry um the the long-term believers and builders and um yeah opportunistic uh people who are in it for the money and um yeah i, I think there was a meme on twitter where someone pulled out uh, a sheep uh and like it jumped and it uh, it just jumped right into like the uh, the, the line again, um, which is Terra too. Yeah, um, so they make the same mistakes again, um, which is interesting. But um, so, do you think like under collateralized algorithmic stable coins can work, or they have a viable future? Um, and or, or do you think like the the die model is like fully over collateralized stable coins? That's the future, um, or well, is think... there is there any any option for algorithmic stable coins? Yeah, I mean, I'm um, I'm investor in, in one of the new projects, so obviously what I, what I say can be interpreted as um, being uh, objective. But for example, as I mentioned before, um, I'm really into derivatives. I'm really into uh, complex um, uh, products that are uh, if uh, complex but without uh, not transparency. Meaning, I don't I'm not into the the subprime crisis where loan and and borrow, uh, credits were offered for nothing. Here, I'm, I'm talking about mathematics. Well, like, for example, in the protocol of Angle, um, it's they are in these experimentations or the, this um, protocol, they're really trying to bring traditional finance, uh, but not the aspect of printing free money, uh, like, for example, Terra, UST, but more with the derivatives attached to it, for example, the futures. Uh, so here, what they're trying to do, they're trying to maintain the peg by having agent 
having people, agents that can buy, um, I mean, uh, people that will basically purchase, uh, uh, will take a future, will take a leverage uh, long on a certain position. And for here, like on the dollar uh, against uh, the euro, because they are building a stable coin euro. And I like this concept because this concept is really like uh, mathematics. And it's not, uh, so with having such a, uh, such a stable coin, you can have under collateralized stable coin and being able to uh, mint more than the collateral you have in custody or in smart contract in a DeFi space, because you are using uh, derivatives, you're using futures or options or product that will, that will try to maintain the peg but at the same time, with uh, by having uh, under collateralized assets. Awesome. Yeah, very, very interesting. Um, I mean, what's funny to me is like when you look at like the the current uh, traditional finance, the banks, like that would probably like collapse very badly as well if everyone had a bank run and like try to withdraw their money from the bank accounts. Um, so obviously, the the system is not stable, and I, I think it's clear for everyone. I'm, I'm not sure. Um, but what, what do you think can we can we learn from that? Like, is it just too big to fan? And what can we do better as well? Like, if we look at traditional finance and like, um, yeah, not, not to repeat the same mistakes again as we like further build um, the, the DeFi space. Um, yeah, I, I think what I like in the blockchain space is everyone can actually verify the accuracy of a statement if the project is fully uh, on chain. So, for example, I'm not talking about uh, custodial stablecoins such as um, USDC, USDT, or other custodial stablecoin, because these again are based on the assumptions uh, that you trust the authority or the emitter of such a stablecoin, because the, no one has access to the liquidity or the asset that is being put in behind USDT. You just have to trust the entity that is saying such. Uh, that yes, we have more asset collateralized than the asset that we issued. For example, that's the reason why they got fined by the SEC because no one they don't have access to the the thing behind it. Uh, so, in um, uh, what was the question again? The the question is like, what can we learn from like the the traditional finance? Yeah, we can learn, where, yeah, so where basically yeah. like. That there would be like a major collapse if there would be a bank run, um, which was yeah. the same that happened with Terra, but um, somehow it just doesn't happen in traditional finance because it's it's too big to fail. Well, it I does guess. happen. Yeah. It doesn't have it does happen a lot. I mean, uh, the subprimes, uh, uh, 2007, 2008, when uh, the banking, the financial right. system were uh, giving credits, uh, were giving uh, mortgage. Uh, for almost uh, free and actually completely free under collateralized zero asset because their, their incentive was, was uh, they were getting paid by the number of accounts they were opening rather than the number of accounts they were legitim legitimate to open. And that's a, that's a, that's a, that's a, that's a difference. So there they are, a lot of, and then uh, a lot of banks collapse and they have a lot of bank run. So coming back to the uh, stable coin of this industry where you can transparently in a way, a transparent way, uh, verify the currency of statement. So not USDT or USDC, but for example, initiative, curve, auto market maker, uh, angle, Aave, uh, all those different protocols you can verify. And the problem is um, in a DeFi space is like when people are trying to uh, mix um, uh, financial concept of uh, non-transparency in 
the DeFi space or same behavior as the financial industry of minting free money from nowhere and mixing this in the DeFi space. So the lesson that we can learn is as long as you provide a system that can be fully audited, fully is fully transparent, meaning that everything is on chain and normally, and also like based on mathematics and not on the concept that people will buy because uh, it's good. For example, like because it's like uh, a marketing good. Uh, well, so what I heard a lot in, in, in Twitter space is like, no, no, this is good because the APY is high. I mean, there's no such thing as a freelance, meaning that if the APY is high, I'm not talking about crypto assets. Crypto asset, the APY can be high because the pool, the impairment loss, I mean, the pool uh, doing a lot of trading volume. So if it's crypto, then it's fine. If it's a stable coin that is giving you a lot of APY, for example, 20 or 30%, there's two ways of doing it. Either you're printing free money from nowhere, this is dangerous, or you're incentivizing the pool with the governance tokens, which is safe. So at the end, you might not receive the APY that was mentioned, but you will not lose your underlying asset. If the underlying asset is based on mathematics and is based on transparency. So the thing that we can learn from traditional finance is that you need to focus on mathematics and you need to focus on transparency and security. Awesome. Yeah, that, that that's a great take. And uh, talking about stable coins, like the biggest stable coins today are like UCT, USDC, DAI, um, and and then a few others. But there are very little um, Euro stable coins. Actually, you, you support some like um, Euro stable coins on StakeDAO as well. But um, wh why do you think um, is it that like only USD stable coins have gained major traction, like significant traction in the market and, and like no Euro stable coin or any other like alternative currency yet? I, I think it's not actually true that no momentum on the Euro stable coin. I think the Euro, uh, for example, DAI was created in the early days of Ethereum uh, and, and, and what made uh, DeFi or decentralized finance and the, and the, and the pumping up of those many different projects that actually die, it's MakerDAO, because at some point people were able to build projects without being exposed to the volatility of a, of a speculative asset, but more about a stable coin uh, and that. So it took to the industry almost like six years, five years to build a stable coin dollar, uh, which was a die. And then we had uh, seen uh, other initiatives such as USDC, USDT, um, I, uh, so dollars was the first one to be created and we'll see we can say that euro uh, is only two years old so we have status and we have only initiatives such as angle uh, protocol uh, as i mentioned uh, yeah. i think first uh, legal reasons uh, i think um, in the u.s um, uh, it's probably at the moment more a friendly uh, ecosystem for building a, a dollar that will support uh, uh, the vision of, of the, the United States of, of uh, 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 pushing for inflation, being able to sell inflation to uh, other countries such as Europe or Asia. So that's in a huge market. And also the fact that um, in, in a, a certainty and war, uh, as we've seen uh, lately, uh, the, the dollar is, is always uh, um, uh, gaining some traction against other, uh, other money. So for example, at the moment, uh, dollar euro, uh, always in a time of, of uncertainty and macroeconomically uh, risk, uh, dollar is performing um, uh, better. Uh, so at the moment, uh, it's a little bit um, risky to invest in euro, even if euro lost a lot against the dollar. Uh, but 
Yeah, I think it's more about markets, uh, macroeconomy. Uh, the moment if you uh, checking how price are being settled in the world, it's always in the US dollars. Uh, and, and, and I think the euro and the fact that I would like to see European, uh, the, the European Commission or um, the uh, monetary uh, system in Europe pushing for euro stablecoin because this will bring uh, back sovereignty against uh, uh, other nations outside of Europe and also inside of in, in each uh, country of, of the European zone uh, against Asia and, and United States. Um, so yeah, I think it's more regulation. Uh, you can build project outside of Europe that is more friendly and, and Euro, Euro at the moment is a little bit septic, um, the Eurozone on the crypto money and blockchain. But with initiative like Angle or uh, Statis, um, especially uh, Angle because of the mathematical aspect uh, of the project, I believe now they have more than 200 million in, uh, US dollars. And if you look at the progression of DAI, uh, that's always I have to see, like, uh, if you see the progression of DAI in the market cap uh, of uh, how big was the market cap before, and then other stablecoin, I would say that other stablecoin are actually progressing uh, slow, slowly, uh, less uh, faster than, than DAI in the early days because that was a small market cap, but my, uh, managed somehow to gain a huge, for example, 1 billion in the early days, and then they lost uh, the, the competition a little bit against competitors. But now in the euro space, it's the same. If you compare to the European market, then it's pretty big, the European, uh, European stablecoin. We'll see with all those derivative projects, like being able to uh, short or long. Uh, so when we, as soon as we enter in the FX market, so thanks to uh, Curve, for example, with the uh, Chinese coin as well, Chinese economy tokenized uh, assets, entering this market, we'll see more volume. So for example, if you build CNY, US dollars, Euro pool, then you will need to have huge volume inside. I mean, uh, you cannot depeg the pool, so you will see a lot of volume in Euro. It will push people to lock asset or to mint asset based on mathematical uh, formulas. Yeah, yeah. And uh, like, like talking about Curve, which is obviously like the biggest player in the stablecoin market um, and, and the Terra incident, because UST was also like a, a, a major stablecoin. Um, like how has the deaths of UST actually affected Curve? And um, like what Curve is building, like does it have any long-term effects on Curve? Like are there any takeaways or anything um, in, in the Curve yeah. team, you think? No, because the, the, well, first uh, it was in the early days. So we had to uh, get the pool there, uh, the asset. Um, the, 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 the pools on, on, on Curve, it's not like, um, like a project like Balancer or something. The, uh, each pool in Curve is isolated. Uh, so the scope of the risk is associated to a pool and doesn't actually impact uh, the, other, uh, the other pool of liquidity. Uh, so um, if the pool dies, there's no risk for the other pool because the assets are isolated to the uh, single pool. So it, it's actually a risk for the assets that are inside this pool because uh, by leaving the pool with the asset that is over uh, collateralized compared to the one that is decreasing, such as USDT, then you are actually living with a uh, penalty. Uh, but uh, there's no risk for the rest of the protocol, if that's a question. Right, yeah. So it's, it's just a investing inside the, the in, Investing inside the pool, you um, um, expose yourself to the risk of the asset inside the pool, not outside. Yeah, yeah. 
And so, like the the whole Terra incident was quite interesting because, um, like it really um, shown to light like some deficits in the governance system in Terra as well. And uh, like until they halted delegation, like they halted delegation because it was kind of very easy to take over the network because a lot of tokens were printed in a very very short amount of time, and someone could have attacked the like governance attacked the network by just acquiring a lot of tokens for very cheap. Um, and th that goes back to like the, the thing about proof of stake is like it's it's very much like in terms of governance, if we say there's, there's one token, one vote, it's it's very similar to like traditional companies, um, how they are structured as well in terms of their shares. And um, this is something like um, Lynn Iden also uh, pointed out lately um, that, that it's really yeah comparable to traditional in terms of governance, comparable to traditional companies um, opposed to like proof of work where you get the uh, basically externalities um, to contribute to to the governance and are the miners and so on. Do you do you see that as a problem in general? And um, do you, do you have any other takes on that? Well, the question is like, do I see like uh, centralization of power of token governance token in the in this proof of stake a danger? Yeah, I mean, do do you see it as a problem that um, we have this concept of like one token is one vote, and basically you need to like uh, acquire a lot of tokens to 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 contribute? Um, so it's yeah, a, a centralization issue basically. Yeah, of course. Like uh, remember back in the days we were, um, I mean, for example, us we we're like one of the major uh, um, validator on Loom network it was in the early days of this industry. Uh, and then there was like other players. As soon as Binance jumped into uh, the variations, uh, then the protocol died. But I mean, there was also a different aspect. But basically, people uh, Binance has uh, had incentivized people to stake into the protocol. We're paying people to stake into the protocol, and they had major variations. And the protocol became uh, uh, fully centralized. And that's funny because then sometimes it's better to have a protocol that is owned by the core. So being a project, some people are like, oh, but the project is owned by the team and is controlled by the team. So I'm like, yeah, it's much better than having two or three entities outside that are controlling the protocol without having the incentives that every day they need to work on the protocol and wake up each morning to build the vision of the protocol. So it's always, always better to have people that are fully committed to the vision and will do everything possible to build in order to make the success of the protocol than having entities and other people outside the project that are driving or economically speaking or technically speaking being able to manipulate the protocol because for them they have no incentive sometime to the, for the product to have a long-term vision because short term they can make huge profit and then invest in a different other project so the centralization of power in proof of stake is really difficult because proof of stake is the accumulation of voting to of uh, governance tokens that can give you one vote. But obviously, if it's one vote to vote and validate and earn uh, the incentive of the protocol, but also making decisions for the future of the protocol, like for example, Uniswap is having is having a lot of problem with the VC and people behind it because those VCs and those people that have major stakes inside the protocol are not actually aligned with the success of what the, trying the, the team in the core team is trying to build or the retail trying to use the product. So it's complicated to find a mechanism that are that is mixing economic uh, incentive, but also a good um, tokenomics or game theory. For example, some people have been thinking about 
Uh, and that's what we try to do in Curve. For example, like the fact that you have one token doesn't give you one vote. If you lock those one token for four years, then give you one vote. If you lock them for uh, a, a, a fourth of a year, then you get a fourth of the voting power. It's a mechanism that are actually giving you um, uh, still if you have a lot of capital, but you don't believe in the vision of the project, you will look for one week where someone that, that has four times less capital, but believe in the vision by looking four times less capital than a whale will have the exact same voting power. So you can actually make a, a, a four times. So what by doing this linearly speaking or exponentially speaking or logarithmic speaking, you can do is like by having less capital, but getting, getting more engaged with the protocol for the long-term future of the success of the project, then you have more voting power than someone that is economically incentivized to short uh, the project short-term, to make money uh, short-term, and short the project to make money short-term. That's interesting yeah. is like, how can you build tokenomics that are sufficiently solid you know, to incentivize good behavior that can be People that are engaged with the project, people that are building in a project, or people that are trusting the project in the long-term future. Yeah, it's it's a fascinating concept, um, and it also shows that like in stake and proofs, like the the design space is basically endless. So it doesn't need to be one token, one one vote. Um, and you you also like you, you launched the liquid lockers at stake now, um, like. What, what what do you think does the future of staking and DeFi look like in in the coming years? Like, is it like uh, in, in Gitcoin we have like the delegate model or like one token one vote or like um, governance rights could be tied to like other contributors um, of the um, of the ecosystem as well? Like, how, how how do you think does it look like? And and maybe you you can also explain a little bit like how the liquid lockers in in StakeDAO work in, in that concept. Yeah. Yeah. Um... So back in 2017 or 18, I think I, I made a few tweets talking about the concept of governance token having more power than money. And people from the industry, they were like, oh, you, you you're saying shit, this is not possible, money is money, and money has always more power. People that control money control power. But in society, we can see that it's completely different. It's not because you have uh, 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 money that necessarily have the voting power or the sufficient lobby to be able to uh, um, control voting decisions for huge impact in society. So I'm talking about the parliament, European Commission, for example, in the, in the model of Europe, people that are there, they're not actually control of the country. They're not control of the European zone. People are controlling them indirectly at the lobbying. Lobbying that, for example, a car manufacturer and the, 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 the car industry is saying, okay, if you don't want to push the number of cars in this, in, this, in, in this country to be adopted by your people being sold to the market, then we cut the job. We cut the job by 50,000 people in the north of this country. And then by doing so, you will become so unpopular that the next election of the, the country will hate you. So what you see is, okay, sorry. what you see is like, what do we see is like um, the concept of lobbying being more powerful than money. Mm. And in DeFi space, I'm not saying this is good or not, but what I was saying like uh, five years ago, two year, four, four years ago, and also like I, I, I initiated and created the concept of curve walls. I was basically talking that by having voting power, it will become more powerful by having uh, money. And money in this term of auto market maker or lending is liquidity. You might have a lot of liquidity, 10 million US dollars, 
But if you have 10 million US dollars worth of curve and you lock them for four years, it will be seven times or 10 times more powerful than having 10 million US dollars. Why? Because you can redirect the inflation of the, 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 the project into certain areas. So the money that you get for this is actually more valuable than having 10 million useless liquidity. And that's important. And, and, and the space, unfortunately, move into this concept of pushing for more centralized power of governance, meaning that bribing, it doesn't matter if you're good or bad in the industry. And if you're actually bad and ask money, you lock them and the, the power, will, you will be, be able to solve it for the people that are not providing value to the protocol. And that's what we actually see in, the, in for example, in Curve, and that's the concept of Curve Wars, is the accumulation of governance power that not necessarily uh, incentivize uh, for the success of the protocol and also for the people providing uh, utility or value to the protocol, but more for their bag and for the people that are using their product. So what you do, you build projects on top of a major protocol and each project is not necessarily um, uh, is just trying to make uh, big money for their users, but not actually sharing the echoes of decentralizations and also success of what the protocol is providing uh, on the basement. And, and that's that's dangerous. And, and that's the reason why in StackDAO liquid lockers, what we did is we provide the exact same uh, uh, features that a project will provide, meaning boosting, increasing the APY by locking this asset for very long term for, for uh, unlimited amount of time still giving them the chance to exit the position. So that's what we call it liquid because you're locked, but you can exit your position. Sometimes with a small penalty because the underlying asset, which we call the principal, is generating revenue for the long term, the bearing uh, token. And you still have the bribing mechanism and the boost, but it's always, but then you keep the voting power. You keep the, the governance power of your assets. And then what we're trying to push for is, for, and what we did is you will vote for the decisions of the protocol. So liquid lockers are built to decentralize the industry rather than trying to build a giant centralized power that will just do everything possible to either uh, go against decentralization, transparency, and that's what we call in the GAFA, like Google, Facebook, Twitter, like all the different people in the industry that are making money from advertising, money on the behalf of people and not actually redistributing the value to people that are providing value because for them, they're making more money. That's what we're trying to avoid in the industry of blockchain, trying to focus on decentralization, transparency, and redistributing value to people that are providing value to those projects. Yeah, that's amazing. And especially like when, when everything is fully transparent, it's auditable, it's verifiable, then uh, everyone has the, um, the ability to fully understand it and also participate. And um, you, you just have some layer um, to abstract um, the complexity there a bit, um, which is which is great, I think. Um, and then, so going back to the Terra incident and like in in relation to like proof of stake, it, it's kind of interesting to see like how well Tendermint worked in like all the the turbulences of of uh, that incident, basically. Um, and it definitely speaks for the innovations like of of Tendermint and like proof of stake in general, and uh, also innovations from the the Cosmos ecosystem. Um, what is your take on the future of uh, alternative layer ones and uh, how will a multi-chain world look like? Like, are they going to be like just a few ecosystems like uh, whatever Ethereum, Cosmos or like uh, like some other big contenders or like many winning ecosystems or will everything ultimately be built on Ethereum, you think? 
Um, yeah, I think that's uh, that's, um, that's a good question. Uh, been there in the uh, cosmos uh, industry in the early days. And that's probably the reason why I have this uh, here because it's uh, it was really tough. Uh, we provide validation for two years, and it was in the industry where the, there was no market for tokens. We didn't get that money, and uh, it was like uh, we were uh, building the um, um, yeah the 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 way uh, the game theory behind uh, those di different um, uh, mechanisms that will support uh, the next uh, generation of, of blockchain or current one. Um, I, I think certain blockchains are built um, or certain tools, for example, like Tendermint uh, or uh, or the hub and the mechanism of this build to empower a project, but not necessarily provide value to the protocol. So it's not mm -hmm. it's not because you have a lot of projects that are building in the Cosmos uh, environment and attending the mint protocol that the value will go to the Atom token, for example, because it's actually not correlated. You can uh, the the uh, the Atom project, the Cosmos project, is, is a project as uh, as 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 another product, osmosis or as another product, so they have no correlation between each other. Um, where the um, uh, Ethereum and and and, uh, and other blockchain like Avalanche, uh, Polkadot, uh, Tezos, uh, and stuff like that, um, the 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 the, um, the the asset that is enabling people to build on top of the protocol is used. Uh, by those projects to be, I mean, those projects they need to use it. So there is a direct uh, correlation in, in uh, correlation between the success of this asset and the number of projects that are building on top of it. Um, at the moment, uh, the ETHEM obviously I was uh, after the being uh, become maximalist, became an ETHEM maximalist, and then uh, uh, after uh, like a couple of years ago, uh, become more like a, a vision maximalist of this uh, this space. And more supporting any project that is building value and providing value to the ecosystem without necessarily looking at the technology. That's the reason why I support any protocols that is based on mathematics and providing value back to the, to the ecosystem. Having said that, it's, it's quite complicated to see um, major other blockchain being able to uh, compete um, directly uh, with Ethereum in a long-term play. Because also if Ethereum become proof of stake uh, friendly and being able to uh, send transactions as a cheap uh, cost and also send many transactions so having a super fast chain then a lot of projects uh, will be incentivized to stay on the chain that has the biggest liquidity and the biggest project and the moment is ethereum so what you see is a fragmentation it's not is uh, now it was a fragmentation of uh, um, um, uh, the blockchain industry into the capitalism of uh, uh, being able to capture more market shares because Ethereum is lacking on speed, super expensive. Saying to the retail industry that you need to use Ethereum, it's kind of like lying to the retail industry because except if you have 10,000 or 20,000 and even 50,000 US dollars in the bank account, then you can use Ethereum. Otherwise, paying for 50 bucks or 100 US dollars transaction cost, then it's kind of, it's, it's, it's a joke. You know, it's a joke. That's the reason why all the blockchain now uh, uh, for the past two years, they've been able to capture value because they provide something that Ethereum was not able to provide. The reason for that is because being already live on the market for almost uh, eight years, five, six, seven years, more than seven years, and then moving a proof of stake to uh, proof of work to proof of stake is difficult. But the research side has been created and mostly researched and, and based for uh, on Ethereum, uh, Ethereum based. So 
the long term, the long term, I think you will have blockchain that will be uh, specific to a certain uh, need. Uh, for example, if you want privacy, uh, or if you want a cheap transaction, I mean, all those different things will be able, it will be possible on Ethereum. You will have like side chain, you will have uh, layer two solutions, you have like a different uh, solution that provide you one way or another of the triangle, speed, transparency, security, anonymity, and, and privacy. And then you have other chain that, that's the reason why they all bring in bridges is because maybe they will do a deal or partner with a certain project that will be only available on the blockchain. And the reason why those blockchain will, I think you had the fragmentation of the blockchain industry into multiple different projects. And now that we're moving into utility and, and more like maturity of those projects, we're getting into a consolidation. So you'll see in the near future, many different blockchains that will disappear. And then it will uh, be structured as top five, top five blockchains that will be used on the retail side without knowing that you are using them because that's what I call the layer three is being able to use blockchain without knowing you're using blockchain, but also the product that you're using is actually using multiple blockchain. For example, for now we have DEX aggregator. You also uh, have DEX, you also have uh, aggregator of DEX aggregators, for example, CowSwap, that are managing the liquidity that providing the best quote for the best swap and the best route on the same protocol, but you will see uh, soon being for them to, if you have fast bridge, being for them to use the bridge um, without knowing you're using a bridge. So the DEX aggregator will be able to do a swap, large swap across multiple different blockchains, but then for you, it will just be Euro, Dollar, ETH, BTC, or other assets. And then that's the reason why I think the consolidation of the blockchain will exist and you will see multiple, few multiple blockchains, because on the retail side, you will never see that you're interacting with those blockchains. Right. Yeah. So it has to work seamlessly together, like the, the top five, uh, in order to cater to the different use cases. Yeah. Um, it's kind of yeah fascinating to look at it from like the calling it layer three. Um, it's it's same for, like in, in staking as well. Like staking is a fascinated concept, like, like fascinating concept. Like you can contribute work validation and security to the network. Um, and basically like earn rewards for doing that, like directly contributing. Um, and, and there's also a lot of abstraction happening for it. So uh, we have liquid staking coming up and um, there are tokens like derivatives where you uh, can kind of circumvent like the lockup periods of the native staking. And um, like, how do you think with, with staking look like from an end user perspective in like, let's say in, in five years or something, will, will everything be liquid staking where like the whole lockup periods and will everything be abstracted away as well? Same as um, you, you just mentioned for the for the general blockchain space. Yeah, so for, um, I mean, it's a subject that I really like because I actually create the concept of liquid staking. Uh, it's a document that I think I issued in 2018, uh, maybe a little bit later. Uh, so liquid case uh, staking and then uh, right after uh, people executed uh, the visions uh, such as Lido, for example. Uh, so I work uh, on different projects to provide liquid staking uh, in the industry. Back then when uh, uh, there was only LifePeer, for example. Uh, so I, I think the concept of, of, of staking assets and, 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 and being able to unlock uh, specific features uh, such as voting governance power or, or, uh, or, or having uh, fully uh, liquid positions um, will be completely transparent, seamless, seamless uh, sim uh, to to the retail industry. 
Uh, the retail industry, at the end of the day, what they want is to use a product that giving them utility. Uh, if you're using a product um, that the product is telling you uh, to to lock this specific asset or to buy this specific asset to be able to use it, it's a little bit odd. It's like saying, I want to use TikTok, I want to use Twitter, but at the same time, you need to build, you need to buy the Twitter share, you need to lock it, and then you'll be able. Uh, at the end, what they want is like, okay, I have this profile. I've been providing that much of value of Twitter to Twitter. Then I unlock uh, this um, level uh, of, of uh, gamification or this level of accreditation in Twitter. For example, the blue tick, I unlock it because I have that amount of followers. And then I'm giving this NFT. But at the end of the day, you don't need to know that actually this profile that you have is accumulating Twitter governance tokens is also based on this nft that you can unlock specific features and then if you want to open a gym membership that nft might be used uh, to this twitter nft mechanism might be used to open a gym membership because twitter has sufficient accreditation or sufficient way of proving that you are unique and also that you've been providing value to the industry so i think at the end it's like it will be completely transparent for the user so those concepts of those projects, but what the beauty of it for the vision of those projects and the vision of the industry, each of those projects, and also yourself without knowing, you'll be participating in the staking industry. Your phone will be violating a certain chain a period of time per day if you uh, uh, if you turn on your phone. And also those projects, in order to be decentralized and not um, exposed to the risk of using a third-party provider, so such, such as Infura on the RPC mechanism to, to communicate with the blockchain, You'll be running a light node or you're running a full node depending on the on, on the evolution of the technology across uh, those layer one and layer two uh, if it's cheap or not expensive but you'll be doing this by by default yeah it's a it's a very interesting thing that you mentioned like running a node on your phone um so you think it was like all the abstraction happening around staking like how can uh, protocols like Ethereum, for example, like it, it's very important that there is a, a culture around running your own node um, in order to like foster decentralization and really have a decentralized network. So you think in the future there there is a way like that um, I like someone could just run a validator node on their phone. Do you think that's that's something feasible um, for the future, or like um, how, how do you stand there? Like um, or, or or will like the whole validation services be uh, more centralized, and the abstraction will happen on the end user side? Yeah, I think if we um, if we agree that the vision is decentralization in the space of, of the blockchain industry and also society, so we need to have uh, uh, people to be able to run. Uh, those validations and the, uh, the, those uh, those blockchain without knowing they are running them. Uh, mm -hmm. So uh, each of those projects being able to either run a light node. Uh, the, the goal is not to consume the energy of the earth. The goal is to uh, being able to have a technology that is strong enough uh, for it to run without consuming much energy, but at the same time uh, decentralizing the um the the protocol level of uh, how a transaction and data is being operated uh, worldwide yeah yeah all, all right and um so what, what do you think like um talking about like staking in the DeFi world um what what is the biggest value proposition for staking right now um outside of proof of stake um like there there's the concept of like reward distribution like tying it to governance rights uh, labor markets, like all of this stuff, like where do you think is the, the future of staking 
um, in, in the DeFi space, kind of, because this concept is obviously being explored um, way, way more right now. Well, I mean, staking is not necessarily staking on the protocol level. Staking, as we uh, saw it in the DeFi space, you stake asset to either uh, increase your API, to boost your API, or to unlock specific features. We also are uh, seeing staking on the NFT side, where, for example, we built in StakeDAO the first strategy that is if you have an NFT uh, and you stake the NFT inside a strategy, first you unlock the fact that you can enter the strategy and you can provide liquidity. So we have both. We have providing staking on the NFT level and staking on the assets that you provide in order to capture uh, uh, yield in the ecosystem. So staking is just a traditional financial product where you say, okay, I have some assets and I'm willing to give those assets to for short, medium or long term uh, inside the protocol. So it will provide value to the protocol because obviously you decrease the inflation uh, or uh, you um, uh, 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 increase uh, the sol- uh, consolidation of the asset that you have. And then at the same time, they give you access to something else. So in the traditional finance, you can see them as VIP membership or like uh, staff that you unlock because you have certain assets and you lock them um, for a specific amount of time, like points, smiles, and all different things. Uh, in, in a more uh, blockchain industry, staking is providing decentralization, it's pro- providing security of the the, 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 the the protocol you're using. And on the product level, it's actually trying to bring uh, uh, more features for you as a staker inside the protocol. So I, I do believe that staking in any project that is built in the industry, you have the concept of locking the asset in order to capture the inflation, in order to capture the uh, rewards, uh, and, 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 and et cetera. And also those projects will also provide staking on behalf of those protocols. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that, that's amazing. And obviously you, you've already uh, experimented like great use like NFT staking, for example, as well, which is a very interesting concept as well. Um, yeah, because so... staking NFT people believe this is JPEG. Yeah, it's JPEG, like the ICO world when we saw a landing page and uh, and a bullshit project. But then uh, we uh, then it got uh, Uniswap, Curve and, uh, and Aave and all the different things. It's the same as the... Uh, 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 boom of the internet uh, phase where in the in 80s and 90s you, you there were like uh, uh, tons of projects but only 1% uh, made it because the rest they were either a scam or not well executed ideas and we've seen the same in the industry like NFTs are truly believe that's the reason why we have uh, I built Blackpool Blackpool is a mm-hmm. hedge fund or fund that is primarily and 100% actually primarily uniquely uh, operating in the NFT space not that because we believe in JPEG but because we believe in the technology of the NFT, NFT is a non-fungible asset. And in a traditional finance, in a traditional world, in, in, in finance, you have debts, bonds, and, and, and swaps, and all these derivative uh, uh, products that need either non-fungible asset or a good understanding of mathematics. That's the reason why NFT are the frontier of uh, mathematics, non-fungibility, non-fungibility, and also um, the uh, traditional uh, aspect that can unlock real estate, arts, music, movies, industry, like all different things. So it's a huge market that for now we only seen the marketing side of it, but we're now right. entering in the finance aspect of it. Yeah, that's a, that's a great point. Um, so definitely NFTs over-explored as JPEGs, under-explored as uh, SD technology yeah, for what it is. Yeah. Um, so it's always if, the if same. You look at... It's always the same. Yeah. yeah, it's always the same. It's always the marketing and the influencer driving 
the, 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 the trend because they're using it as a bullshit kind of like mechanism, most of it, except if 1% is always super unique. For example, bored apes, at the, at the beginning, adopt, they add this idea of private club and all these different things, but it, it became this. And now it's like super important and super useful. But uh, yeah, always the case. Yeah. And, and, and that's great if, if people actually create utility with it as well. Um, yeah, exactly. So, so if you look at the crypto and DeFi space, like what's another thing you think is like massively underexplored right now? I know like there's, there's a lot of talks right now about soulbound tokens as well. Um, and it seems like crypto always has like these narratives, like hype cycles kind of. Um, what do you think is one sector that will surprise people in the in the coming year or two? Um, yeah, I think uh, one of the hype uh, still being every year, every single year, even myself, I got into it like in the early days. Uh, I mean, there was the hype of the vision of uh um, identity framework, uh, identity sovereignty uh, aspect, and I built a project called IDBox. I think that was the first project in the ATM. Uh, I mean, physical project like uh, being able to make transaction was deployed in Papua New Guinea, won the United Nations, and uh, all these different things. I think the identity concept is a huge concept, but not in the identity that, for example, Elon Musk mentioned on, on Twitter, where you can uh, track uh, and identify uh, people uh, uniquely. Uh, in the sense of being able to survey, doing surveillance. Uh, I think the identity framework really enter, we really have to think of outside the box, how we build identity in a blockchain space. If you think that the identity is like something that what China is trying to build, where you push for mass surveillance and being able to uh, dictate uh, who can access what uh, because of their uh, credit score, they cannot take the plane because they are the bad lending uh, bad borrowing rate or whatever this is not actually blockchain what blockchain wants to build blockchain wants to be you want to be able to provide services to people that can identify themselves as being unique but at the same time you don't know who's behind that identity and that's really the concept and the vision of blockchain is like and what's i call avatar an avatar that can give special accreditation or special uh, permissions to a service that is trying to identify you for example if you want to create if you want to apply to a membership at the gym, why do you need to give your passport and the location of your house and also the bank account number and all different things? Meaning that someone that is inside this gym will have access to full identification of yourself. And we know that black market is easy and you can sell those passports, you can sell those accreditation to people that can create fake uh, license for driving a car and all different bullshit. So the, the beauty of blockchain is being able to decentralize the economy decentralized and having more transparency but at the same time we need to push for privacy and anonymity and also uh, being able to uniquely identify someone but not someone as the person behind it but as someone that has accredit uh, accreditation to use that specific service and that's the beauty of it but i think the regulation will need to think about we need to think about this concept about being able to send transaction anonymously uh, being able to send staff without knowing which what is by, behind but what I want is like more regulation to be able, for example, to track people that are doing bad uh, activity in the industry. And I think this is possible by having systems like NFTs, identities uh, system that, for example, you, um, if regulation wants to know what's behind this transaction, then yourself, you receive a transaction request and you can give authorization to have access to this specific information and this NFT avatar can unlock the potential of search information. And that's the beauty of it. 
is uh, you focus on privacy, but if someone wants to verify and has authority to verify the information, you give permission. If you refuse to give permission, then you might be actually doing something bad. That's the beauty of it. And I think that the identity system in the industry of, of blockchain uh, is fascinating, it's hype. I don't see anyone that has, all the products that I've seen in the past that all said uh, we build an identity framework, they all failed all because they were badly executed or just like, just make, made them just to make money. But for now, there's no one that actually provided a system that can actually provide an identity framework for uh, society. Perfect. So you're also the founder of Rec.News, um, where basically anonymous writers can whistleblow intricacies of the of the DeFi space, and uh, you kind of track the biggest exploits in the industry. Um, like, what's the most common pattern of projects that you have seen, and like how how to spot that early, and um, how can people avoid getting wrecked in crypto? Yeah, I think the the success of Rec is also like the the, the amazing team behind it. Uh, so. Uh, great team uh, we are operating in a in a darkness uh in the uh, it's an underground activity uh so rate is made for um for the industry and 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 then i would say something that people might uh, smile but it is built by the people and for the people and i think that's the only project in the industry that is actually providing uh, free informations. I mean, I'm talking about uh, uh, analysis, auditing, and, and trying to explain um, to the space uh, how this product got exploited and also the visions of what we're trying to build. Because we have also videos, opium diaries, dystopian dreams, and ape tags. And, and we try to have kind of like some amazing, amazing videos, by the way. Anyone who didn't saw these videos, go check it out. We'll also put it in the, in the comment, uh, in the uh, YouTube yeah. description. Yeah. Yeah. Without being too, um, um, yeah, I would say this is probably the best video that you'll see in, the, in this ecosystem. We spend a huge amount of time. It's homemade. Uh, it's house. Uh, um, so everything you, you see is like it's design and, like in, and design inside uh, in-house. Uh, uh, the, the way we do is like we have a team that will analyze the market, will analyze everything that is, is, uh, is being uh, being deployed or uh, being used uh, by the ecosystem, but we also receive a lot of messages uh, because now we became pretty, uh, pretty, uh, pretty big and pretty strong in the ecosystem. And then we try to explain the exploit or explain what's going on with certain actors in the industry in a way that people can understand, but without missing the technical side and analysis. Because Rect is built in a way that will provide value to people. We're always try to have an agnostic or uh, objective uh, uh, um, uh, analysis of, of, of the thing. That's the reason why we always analyze blockchain transactions and not necessarily trust people that are telling us something. Um, and the one of the direct that we saw that was the biggest, um, the, the most um, easy one is obviously uh, trying to manipulate the Oracle uh, system. So. Most of the project in the industry, they base the assumption that uh, outside uh, data that they are gathering for the good behaviors or the good functioning of their project, is it will never get uh, rate or will never change. Well, the thing is like people that either manipulate this Oracle price to mint uh, a normal amount of, of assets 
that they can then use to deposit inside the lending market somewhere and then borrow uh, capital. But if the asset you're depositing is worth nothing because it was screened from nowhere, the asset you're getting is actually free money. And even if after you get liquidity, because you get liquidity on an asset that had no value, that's the beauty of it. So I think the Oracle um, way of manipulating projects is the most well-known one. And uh, that got raked a lot of different people, manipulating the price of the pool, manipulating the Oracle price. It's all the kind of same things. And then you have like more complex way of uh, DeFi Lego and, and, and manipulating one project, escalating to another project. So I think that the beauty of those projects is how you can manipulate one, but not necessarily steal money from this one, but use it as a tool, as a Trojan uh, horse inside another project. And I think this is really beautiful. Um, in order yeah. for you to not get wrecked, uh, there are two, three different uh, uh, keys. Uh, I would say um, uh, tools that you can uh, away um, like features. First, always put money in project that you either know the people behind and you have trust, and people that have been in this, this industry for quite some time. If they're not, because you need to come from somewhere. Uh, if they are new uh, comer in this industry, then focus on security auditing. Always trust that they have been audited. Also verify that the audits that they're providing is actually uh, real. But if you invest, and then if you invest in a project that uh, you don't know the people behind, those people have not been in the industry for quite some time, because trust is everything in this industry. If they are known and not audited, I will not trust such a project because this project is based on verify and don't trust. If the project is built by people you believe, they have been in the industry for some quite some time and their reputation is worth more than the value they're providing inside the product, then this is the product I will go for because then the reputation is worth more. And for them, there's, if they get wrecked, then they lose reputation, it's very bad. And then third is, yeah, security plus people behind it, plus the project is acknowledged or used by other projects, then use it. But if you're using a product that is not audited, that is built by Anon, just for the sake of getting high APY, I think, I'm not, this is not legal opinion or something, but I think if you get wrecked, don't get frustrated and might be a reason that you got wrecked and it's maybe you deserve it because the problem is like chasing high APY in the industry. If you get a high APY, it means that someone is losing money. And at the end, if you're losing money, it was part of the game. Yeah. yeah. No, nothing as a free lunch. Uh, exactly. Nothing is a yeah. free lunch. Yeah. Cool. And um, and, and then probably like also like um, like just check the oracles. Is there a way to like uh, reliably check the oracles that they are not so easily getting manipulated or? Well, the code the code is open source, uh, uh, but the, in order to verify that the oracle cannot be um, uh, usually manipulated. Uh, then it's pretty difficult. If you know 100% mm -hmm. sure that the Oracle cannot be manipulating, it means that you also know how to read smart contract and how to read bugs. So you might and be entitled to a bug bounty and make money. So it's very unlikely, I would say that 0.001% of this industry know how to read code. So what you need is like either rely on uh, people that are running the project, rely on the team uh, and rely on... Uh, um, so I wouldn't say like you need... Uh, it's verified, don't trust. And for people that are not technical, they can 
do the verification in order for them to trust the project by having people running the project that they understand they will take the reputation on their behalf and also by the auditing firm that provide the information for them to not get wrecked. So the verification process for someone that is non-technical and that's, as mentioned, is in terms of proportions, there's no one technical in the industry uh, in number of people that are using the DeFi space. So you need to rely on projects that of people building projects that have been here for a sufficient amount of time for you to understand that there's no risk behind it. Awesome. Yeah. And like, how, how are you saying can crypto become more secure without being fully regulated? Like, um, I mean, you, you mentioned like that there's always a trust component. Um, like what can protocols do or what can the industry, um, what, what can we do to make crypto more secure overall with, without going into regulation? Well, uh, you have initiative uh, in, the, in the space that are, for example, bug bounties, a uh, platform uh, that are incentivizing people to find bugs and then they, re they will reward them uh, for a lot of money. So if you have a bug bounty attached to a protocol for a bug bounty of 3 million, uh, for example, I think in, um, in, in some product you have 10 million US dollars, for example, on Solana Wormhole, you have a bug bounty of 10 million US dollars on the protocol attached to it. So the more money you have attached to this protocol, to this project, the more likely the project is safe. It's the same with using, we forgot completely about the risk of using Ethereum and Bitcoin because now we, some people enter the industry as assumption that those protocols are just normal products and they are safe. The reason why they are safe is because the bug bounty attached to them is so huge that if there was a bug, then it's very likely that someone, not very likely, but it's more probability speaking, more likely that someone will have found it. If you have a protocol, for example, Bitcoin market cap of 1 trillion US dollars, then if no one has found a bug yet, then it means that the, 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 this protocol is one of the safest protocol on earth, even more safer than a custody and a safe in a bank or in any other protocols on earth because the bug bounty is decentralized, is that the code is open source, accessible by all and auditing, audited by all. And the bug bounty is so huge that if you hack it, and you can make huge amount of money. That's the reason. The more money as a bug bounty is attached to a protocol and the longer the protocol has been operating in the market, the, uh, the, the more likely the protocol is safe. That's the reason you can increase. Uh, I don't think you can increase security uh, by adding more regulation in a sense of protocol level. You can increase secu uh, security by people not getting fished, phishing attacks or uh, exploited on email, a fake wallet, fake private key, yes. On the protocol level, you need um, initiatives such as bounties, marketplaces, and, and then different things like that. And auditing yeah. firms, obviously. Yeah, auditing firms, obviously. But the point is like auditing firms is good for the product, but auditing doesn't mean that the product is 100% secure. You know? Yeah, yeah. That makes sense. Cool. So, um, and then like uh, talking about StakeDAO again. So StakeDAO is like one of the, the largest staking DAOs and there's a lot of innovation coming out of, out of the StakeDAO ecosystem. You, you are like a yield aggregator, you have the liquid lockers, you have like the NFT staking, staking, like a lot of stuff. Like wh what will the world look like in five years um, once StakeDAO is like wildly successful? What's the, what's the big vision for StakeDAO? Yeah, I think it's a good question. So, um... We have one side of StakeDAO that is trying to be the major leader in the meta governance, uh, meaning that we want this space to be fully decentralized and providing value to the ecosystem. 
without losing uh, 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 yield for people. Uh, so that's one side. The Stack DAO is providing a tool, uh, a feature for this industry to be able to use those different products of DeFi, be successful, but at the same time uh, keep the decentralization aspect that the vision of blockchain is giving us and, and trying to push for. And, and then at the same time, in Stake DAO, so we also have strategies where you provide strategy uh, in the ecosystem that will give you the best uh, APY rewards either on the lending market, on the auto market making mechanism, or like different products such as a stablecoin industry with Angle or, or Frax. Um, and also because of our background, traditional finance and a lot of uh, people also quants inside the team, we understand the, the traditional finance. So we understand how deriv derivatives work, how options, futures, and all different things. So we are building projects, we are building tools that can give people APY or rewards but in the exotic product or in a, in a complex uh, financial uh, world. And this is something that we're giving. So I think that the, the, the success of SecDAO will be uh, really niche vertical, one that you want to be active in the meta governance and also pro, um, um, uh, uh, um, provide yield and having access to yield on the different assets without even thinking about it, without understanding the complexity of the protocol, without understanding all the different mechanisms that are uh, uh, used in the, in the government space in order to create those fields, and that's one aspect. And then still operate in the complexity of finance, uh, providing products to people that are so simple for them to use that they don't need actually to understand what's going on. And then obviously for the part of the fund, we're also building a, a layer of gamification, like the NFT, the points, for people that are not in DeFi, they don't understand it, but they want to be on the marketing side, they want to be uh, on a Twitter user, TikTok, Instagrams, and they still want to have uh, a foot inside this industry. And this is like a layer that we're also providing. So we'll try to make Stakedow way more simpler and isolating those niche of products for people to understand them really easily without actually the need for, uh, to, uh, to be able to uh, analyze and understand the security and, and, the, and the technical aspect of, of being able to provide those fields and those products. Yeah, the, the abstraction of the yield is a, is a great thing um, and uh, it should have a, a lot of people. So do you have any like exciting new product releases coming up or anything you can share already um, for the next few months? Or like how, how does your roadmap look like? Yeah, I think we have um, uh, Liquid Lockers. Is, is, is Liquid Lockers are built uh, for uh, meta governance. So we are constantly, uh, I think we are the first one to provide such a mechanism in the industry of DeFi. Uh, so we'll be pushing them for cross layers, bridge, bridges, and all different things. We also provide new mechanisms that might be uh, copied from the traditional finance. Uh, way to uh, be able to provide value to the, the, the to, to to keep to make rewards uh, money from those different products, but at the same time keep the, uh, the the value proposition of the blockchain industry, which is decentralization and transparency. That's something we're trying to push for in liquid lockers, and obviously on the other vertical derivatives, we are building uh, uh, on the option side and raising something new, and uh, also like for people that want to hedge or leverage themselves on the. This ecosystem, particularly when the market is going down and being a little bit risky, 
and then you want to offer people the ability to uh, be data neutral, uh, being not exposed to the volatility or the exposition of uh, uh, the, the bull or the bear market, but still constantly making rewards on the assets. This is something that we are really good at building and this is something we still want to build. That's amazing. So um, yeah, uh, that was the last one. We have one last question, but yeah, thank you so much for being on the show. Um, it was great. Uh, a lot of insights today. Um, thank you so much for everything that you're doing in the industry and everything. It's uh, it's amazing uh, how many projects you're involved with and um, Stake DAO is, no. is definitely going places. Um, like, um, can you can you share with like someone um, who's just listening to to the episode and like really liking the stuff that you're building? Like, um, how can someone get involved and uh, participate and and also follow you and like the the latest developments and everything? And uh, yeah, just. Uh, get involved um, and contribute yeah sure uh, sure thing um, I think if you follow me on Twitter um, my my Twitter space is is open uh, so I'm not the kind of person that will ignore or try to if I don't answer it's because I have a lot of uh, different uh, messages being coming but I always end up answering everyone so message me on Twitter uh, ask question there also if you want to learn about this industry and you're just new into this industry I, I highly invite you to go to StakeDAO Academy, uh, Blackpool Academy, where we have built a school. And again, this is free content, like rec.news, fully free. And the reason we can provide those contents is because actually we never get paid. We never receive any money from anyone. The content that we provide is fully objective and provide value to the customer. So the Academy of StakeDAO, and also obviously staking rewards because you want to earn about all different um, uh, uh, products, staking mechanism. And also you guys are providing good content for the retail space, trying to explain each of those protocols, how they are uh, functioning, uh, where did they derive the, the APY and all the inflation rate and all different things. But I think this is really good. So if you're new, go to Staking Rewards, go to StakeDAO Academy, Blackpool School. Uh, we also have labs. I think if you read this content, spend like a week reading this content. If you read the entire content of StakeDAO that is written for uh, retail first without the need or without the understanding of technical aspect of blockchain, you will understand a good amount of information in order for you to enter this DeFi space without putting your set at risk. And again, don't trust, always verify and always run your own analyst before joining a project. Don't listen to someone telling you to join a project without actually understanding what you're doing or without putting the trust to someone you trust that will do the reputation level for you. Awesome. That was some very good, um, great last words here. Um, thank you so much. And for everyone watching, uh, hit the like button, hit the subscribe button. We, we have uh, more great episodes coming and uh, make sure to check out our previous episodes of Staking Mondays as well. Um, for Julian and for you guys, and uh, my name is Mirko. As always, happy staking.